Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord, for this session. That even as you go through it, Lord, we just want to welcome you to be with us. We pray that you will fill us with the knowledge of your will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And Father, that you speak to our hearts and even be able to equip us in this session. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I'll start with an introduction. Let me switch off these things. My name is Francis Bukachi. I'm from Kenya. Um, my family and I have been involved in missions for the last 30 years. Um, we started missions in 1992 with working with Somalis for 10 years. <laughs> Anything I'm doing wrong? Okay. He says I'm safe. The, the brother behind is helping us. That's good. So, after we served for 10 years a month at Somalis, um, we took a break and worked in a children's home for abandoned babies. My wife is a nurse and a midwife, so she was like my boss in the children's home because every department was helping to make sure the medical people do their work properly. And then after that, we went back and worked in a ministry that trains churches in the neighboring countries for five years. I was in charge of training teams, and uh, my director at that time, those who know Dr. Florence Winty, was in charge of setting up the national board. So my work was to go in, train the teams, then she comes in to set up the national board. Afterwards, we left in 2010 to go to Ghana to be missionaries again, in northern Ghana to train churches to reach out their own people. So we did that for three years, and then we raised up a Ghanaian team, uh, in partnership with the Ghanaian team, we raised up our Burkina Faso team, and then we went back home and set up our ministry in Kenya. So actually our ministry, Hope Alive Initiatives, was started in Ghana. And then from Kenya, we worked in Malawi. We trained in Malawi, we trained in Zambia. And uh, this year we had a training for millennials, young people, 25 to 35 year old from nine countries, 60 students, and we train them all the modis we do and send them back to their respective countries. So actually this lesson from this module is one of the lessons we taught them. And it was one of, the, actually during evaluation, it was the most popular course, uh, Emotional Healing and Spiritual Freedom. Um, so I'll just take one topic that I'm going to cover today so that uh, we see how it can help us. So this framework of emotional healing and spiritual freedom, I came to learn from the Lord. So, in 2005, okay, my mission journey for 30 years has many incidents. Some big, some small, some good or bad. But the 2005 experience was like what I had in 1992 when I was in medical school, before I started doing missions. And I had an encounter with the Lord, okay? And the Lord came. You know, sometimes when the Lord speaks to you, He speaks, uh, He spoke like in a third person. So He asked me a question and told me, if my people will not understand how to apply Isaiah 61 in this season, they are not going to make it. I thought He was joking. Because He didn't address it to me. He just said, people need to learn this. So I began this journey, intensive journey to learn Isaiah 61. What does it mean? I did a lot of praying about it, read a lot, but some of the concepts actually I was taught by the Lord Himself because I didn't understand. Um, so I'll just give some of the outlines He He showed me from the Word. Okay, this is the framework we used to do this course. After we take three days or five days, depending on the intensity of the program. One of the things the Lord showed me clearly: if you read Isaiah 61. It says, the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the broken hearted, to save the captives free, and to release prisoners from darkness, 
to comfort those who mourn, to um, for those who have despair or discouragement or depression, it doesn't matter what you say, to give them a garment of praise. And then you go to verse 7, he says, those who have shame and disgrace, he will remove it and give them their inheritance and give them joy. So it took me a long time, almost like 10 years trying to walk through step by step, because one of the things the Lord challenged me, Isaiah 61 is talking about the symptoms. He's not talking about the root causes. So like a good example when he says he came to preach the gospel to the poor, one of the things that I quickly learned was there are many causes of poverty. Actually in the Bible there are eight major causes of poverty in the Bible. And each one you have to go to the root cause to be able to deal and help people. And then the one that talks about a broken heart. There are three major causes of a broken heart. The first one is betrayal. Because uh, a broken heart has to do with the relationships. When someone has betrayed you. Another cause, major cause, is um, um, unreturned love. When you love someone, they don't love you back. It will break your heart. And the third major cause is afflictions. It's from Job chapter two. Job chapter 36 is a long chapter that talks about afflictions that come because of sin, transgressions, and iniquities in the family. And then, so I had to go step by step learning how to deal with each one of them. Uh, the causes of captivity or prisoners, I normally ask a general question, what is the, if you find someone is a prisoner or a captivity, what's the difference? What's the difference between a captive and a prisoner? Can someone guess? Hmm? A captive can escape, a prisoner, you may not escape. Another major, it's a major difference. You are a prisoner because of your own choices. No one goes to prison without going through the court process. And even Jesus talks about it, you know. Jesus says clearly in the Gospels, I think Matthew chapter 5, agree with the accuser before you reach the judge. Lest he presents you, the prosecutor takes the judge and makes the ruling and you'll have to pay for it. That's a difficult scripture for Christians to understand. Because there's only one accuser, Satan. So why does he say agree with him? That means if there's a situation in your life that you know you are wrong, the enemy can accuse you rightfully to the Father. The only way you can escape is to repent. That's the only way out. So that's a major cause of prisoners. Another thing, uh, captives are people captured in war. So captives are people who suffer because of other people's choices. But prisoners suffer because of their personal choices. And it's a huge difference when you're trying to pray and help for someone. Another thing also that he talks in Isaiah 61 is those who are mourning. I think there are almost five causes of mourning in the Bible. Um, I'll not go in details, but one of these is personal loss of a loved one. That's a major cause. The loss of a limp, someone who has lost the power to use their hand, their feet, they experience pain of loss. I have a friend who lost part of her finger, and for one year she would cry every day because she couldn't hold a cup. Okay? Sometimes also you have pain of loss that comes because of regret. Regret in the Bible means in your timeline you lost an opportunity. The Bible says we need to have wisdom so when the opportunity comes we don't miss it. So when you miss it, normally you have a pain of loss. You start regretting, I had this opportunity but I missed it. Okay? And then another example is... Uh, uh, people and people lose jobs. Unexpectedly, you, you lose a job or a place you're working and you're not in control of the situation. You don't just lose the job, but you lose the relationships that are involved. And that's how many people go through a season of mourning. And then he talks about despair. In Isaiah 61, in Isaiah 61 you'll find uh, despair. Uh, I did studies in classical Hebrew. Classical Hebrew is not like current Hebrew. It's pictorial. So the word for despair is when darkness comes upon a person. Darkness. So you get discouraged, depressed. It's like a cloud of darkness that comes upon you. There are many causes. But the Lord says the only way you can break it is put on a garment of praise. That's the only way out. Because you have to remove one and put on a garment. In classical Hebrew is something you put on. You choose. 
Just like the Bible says that put on the garments of humility. So humility is a garment you put on. Because you can choose to be proud. Okay, another one he says is shame. That is Isaiah 61 verse 7. And this is one I learned when I lived in Ghana. There is a big difference between shame and disgrace. Because the Bible says I will take away their shame and disgrace. And give them joy and an inheritance. Okay, so shame, my understanding is, most times is because of your choices sometimes. Disgrace is things people do on you. Where you feel disgraced. When someone tells you something that is ashaming, that is disgrace. And disgrace is a word that is taken from Hebrew that means when you have garments that are torn and dirty. And there are pictures in the Bible like uh, Zechariah chapter 3. Joshua the high priest is presented before the Lord in a court of heaven session. And his garments were dirty. The Lord said remove his garments and give him new garments. So shame is you have this feeling of feeling defiled or dirty or putting garments that you are not comfortable in. That is a sign that you are carrying shame. And shame has many causes. So that's just an overview of... uh, uh, Isaiah 61. So in this session you are going to look at emotional healing, just the keys, and then we are going to have a practical session at the end. Okay? So, there are keys. How many keys in the Bible represent an open door, or keys can represent authority? When the Bible says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, that means I'll give you authority. But also keys can open a door. Like what the Lord says in the book of Revelation, I'll give you keys to open a door, and when I open the door, no one can close it. So when, you, when, you, when I talk about the keys that can help you to experience emotional healing, these are keys that have really helped us since 2005. We have trained, we work in five countries, uh, recently we adopted eight countries through these students, and it's a constant thing we have seen. When you teach people these keys, they start understanding how to deal with their emotional issues and how to deal with spiritual freedom issues. And any of these keys can work. Okay? So the first key is you have to learn to make peace with God and yourself. This covers the area of guilt. In the Bible, guilt is a legal term. It's not a theological term. If you read the book of Romans, which is a legal book, it talks about guilt, condemnation, righteousness, and justice. The letter to, written to, to the Romans is a legal book. So the only way you can understand the Lord is saying that he has taken you from condemnation, justified you through Jesus, and made you righteous. That's a legal book. So whenever I see words, let's just, let's just mention some of the words like guilt, condemnation, petition, righteousness, justice, all are legal terms. That means for you to have peace with God, to remove guilt. Guilt is something the Lord uses, uses to speak to our conscience. Unless your conscience is defiled, your conscience works whether you are born again or not. So the analogy I have for conscience is like traffic lights. It can be green, wait, or stop. So your conscience, every human being has conscience according to Romans chapter 2. When you violate your conscience, your life will end up in a very bad shape. Because God has nothing else to tell you, stop what you're doing. And the book of Romans chapter 2, Paul goes through in detail why when people violate their conscience, the things they end up doing are not good. So when you don't deal with guilt you are going to uh, violate your conscience. And guilt is a sign. The Lord is trying to say, you need to come to me and repent. Then I can take away the guilt. So, when you have unresolved guilt in your life, the first thing you start having is moods, depression, because the way God created us, God created us to have balanced emotions. Just like we have a balanced Uh, eight systems of the body, whether it's the food system, the urinary system, everything has to work well. So when you violate it, something is not going to work. And the law that God activates is the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping does not cancel the law of forgiveness. Okay? So there's a very... Okay, we're going to see later. Let me give you the case study. When David sinned against Bathsheba, what happened? We pleaded for mercy. The Lord told him, I have forgiven you. But he did not take away what? The consequences. And 
recently, the last years, we had a lot, we had, uh, we had a training in a, in a particular African country and we asked very difficult questions, okay? So when we were praying, the Lord challenged us. The law of forgiveness sometimes does not cancel the law of sowing and reaping, especially when it comes to human relationships. Because if I have hurt you, and I don't come to reconcile with you, there will be an issue with God. The Lord can forgive you because the Lord is merciful. But sometimes human beings are not merciful. King David said, I would rather fall into the hands of God rather than into the hands of men. So, guilt is something that we need to face. It's a sign the Lord is saying, okay, there's something you need to deal with. Another thing, people start having anxiety when you're anxious. Whenever I'm anxious, I'll go through a process of searching my heart. And uh, for those who are in the medical field, you know that Sometimes when you are very anxious and you are fearful, you start having ulcers, you start having headaches. For me, I start having wounds in my mouth. <laughs> that means it's a sign of anxiety. That's what I learned many years ago as a missionary. There's a book called Where There's No Doctor. It says when you start having wounds in your mouth, it's a sign you are anxious. So I'll go back to the Lord. Lord, whatever it is, take away this anxiety. Because the body responds to our emotions. Okay? Another thing people will have sometimes, low self-image. If you don't repent, I don't see why the Lord shall give you joy. It just doesn't work with the Lord. And in the Bible, you see David is the case study for this point. The Bible says in Psalms 51, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And we know from Nehemiah, the joy of salvation is what? Is our strength. How it works in the spiritual, don't ask me. Joyful people are strong people. That's what the Lord is saying. But you cannot restore joy if you are wrestling with guilt. Yeah. So if you read Psalms 51, Psalms 39, and Psalms 32, it's talking about the same event. Let me repeat. Psalms 32, Psalms 39, Psalms 51. David is talking about this uh, uh, bad relationship he had with Bathsheba. It affected his health, Psalms 39. Psalms 32 says, until he repented, the Lord could not give him peace. And we know from the Bible, he never repented for one year. We know from the Bible. From the time he did the act, until Prophet Nathan came to confront him, the baby had already been born. He had not repented. So that's why David was struggling. He says, Psalms 39, I got sick. I couldn't function because he had not dealt with guilt. But immediately he repented. He asked the Lord, give me, give me a willing spirit and restore unto me the joy of salvation. Okay, so that's when you make with peace with God, He'll give you joy, He'll give you peace. The next one is make peace with others through forgiveness. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God has forgiven you, or forgave you. Okay, if you look at the last phrase, the basis of God's forgiveness or why we should extend forgiveness to other people, is because God has forgiven us. It's not whether I feel it or not. Forgiveness has nothing to do with your feelings. If you know God has forgiven you, you take courage and forgive sometimes the impossible. We're going to do a case study that demonstrates that. And the only way I've learned when you do practicals, uh, recently our team was visiting a, a drug rehabilitation center, Teen Challenge in Kenya, where every year they invite us to go and teach inner healing for one week to help the people on drug and addiction. Majority of their problems is rejection and unforgiveness. Majority of their issues, why they ended up taking substance abuse, is because that they had a relationship that never worked, so they take drugs and alcohol as a way of putting away their pain and it's not working. And then they get addicted. I also learned, I think 15 years ago, that people who have addictions and um, alcoholism, someone who taught me, it's, 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 you can't deny what they're going through, because it's real. But they are not solving the problem the way God wants it to be solved. It's a replacement of a way God expected you to solve a problem. So in, instead of going to the Lord or reconciling with people, they take a substance to try to take away their pain. And doesn't work with God. So when I deal with people who are in addictions, 
or uh, drugs, I never talk about their condition. Never. People have been sent to me. I will only ask them, what is frustrating you in your life? I never talk about the issue. Because whatever is frustrating them is what causes them to look for another solution. Because you do not want to be judgmental. Okay? You want to help them. And you just uh, what is frustrating your life? I let them talk. Oh, I don't like the way my dad did this to me. Okay? Or I don't like what the teacher did in school. I couldn't make it. I, I don't know why I was failing exams. So I decided to help myself. So whatever the root issue is what you deal with. Don't deal with the, the symptom. The symptom. Whatever they are doing is just covering up something else. So one of the best things we tell you is list down the people you need to forgive. And then forgive them. And there are levels of forgiveness in the Bible. Jesus taught sometimes you may forgive someone 70 times. What was he saying? That means someone can really hurt you repeated 70 times. And sometimes you realize, especially in emotional healing and spiritual freedom, if you forgive someone and then you still feel pain, that means the depth of the offense affected your soul. So you'll go back to your knees and tell God, I forgive again. You do it 70 times until the Lord tells it's done. Or sometimes, it can be, um, if it's not the depth of the issue, it's the same person crossing your, your paths. For those of us who are married, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> if you don't forgive your wife, your husband, there is no marriage. And you have to do it many times. That's what Jesus was saying. Just keep on doing it. Because remember, forgiveness releases you. It doesn't release the other person. It's for your sake, not for the other person. Yeah. So, that's why you say forgiveness. I've handled cases of people who have gone through rape. Uh, people have been molested. And the forgiveness process is not easy. They will start crying and say, I cannot forgive. I cannot forgive. But you see, what is the option? There's no option. So we will cool them down and tell them, look, I tell them, look at me. Jesus says in Matthew 18, verse 35, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, this is how my father will treat you. That is the whole parable of Matthew 18 from verse 17 to 35. That parable is not good. It's called the parable of unforgiving servant. If you do not forgive, the whole parable is the application. And the, the consequences are bad. One people, if you read that parable, if you don't forgive, the Lord says he will send you to the jailers. And the jailers will torture you until you forgive. Who are the jailers? Demons. Yeah. There's a lot of demonization that comes because of unforgiveness. And the Lord allows it as a discipline. Especially if you are born again. If you are not born again, he can let you go. But if you are born again, He'll allow problems to tell you, go back. He said, this is how my father will treat you if you don't forgive from your heart. He'll send you to the, to the judge, and the judge will send you to the jailer until you repent. That's a scripture I don't like. But you see, the context, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, not to the unbelievers. So it's something we have to learn to practice. Okay? Another test, uh, just before I go, another person that teaches forgiveness in the Bible very well is Joseph. If you read the story of Joseph, the way he was treated by his brother, it was not good. And there's a, the Bible says, I think he cried out, he cried out when they threw him in the pit, and they never listened. So Joseph had a chance to be very bitter. But you see, the Lord had to take him through the process for many years to help him to deal with the issue. To a point that the persons who hurt him most, Judah, Judah became the person that reconciled most. Yeah, Judah told him, no, I would rather my brother, I let me go to the prison, let, I cannot send Benjamin again here. He took responsibility. And you will know that Joseph forgave, because, became, he became the channel of blessing to his uh, brother's in the family, and his parents, by extent. So forgiveness is complete when you become a channel of blessing. So I always test people. I will know whether you have forgiven someone, whether you can buy them coffee or not. If you can't buy them coffee, you have not forgiven. Or if he's, another tell people, if you have, I can know you have not forgiven, 
if you don't want someone to be a neighbor in heaven. Because in heaven, you don't choose where you stay. The Lord chooses for you. But if you don't have the courage to allow the Lord to put a neighbor you, you had conflicts on the earth, you have not forgiven. That means you go back and deal with it. Uh, let me tell you, from Matthew 18, there are many parables Jesus taught. One of the things I learned from this parable, forgiveness is the foundation of God's kingdom. Nothing works on top until there is a foundation of forgiveness. That's why you find the Lord keeps on challenging us to forgive. Because if you can't forgive, basically, you're not going to heaven. Heaven is for a place where people are forgiven. No one else is allowed there if you have offense. Okay? We're going to do a practical on that. Okay? The third key is to guard your emotions. Okay? There are times uh, you need to be careful. The enemy can attack you, you know. Satan is not in prison. Can you agree? Okay, when you, when you do ministry of inner healing and deliverance, you know some people start praying like this. I bind Satan and I throw him in the sea. He doesn't go to the sea, my friend. He is free. Or I throw him into the desert. He will come back. Until his judgment, Satan is free. So because he's free, the Bible says, like a roaring lion, he walks around looking for someone to devour. So Satan is able to throw thoughts. Negative thoughts in our minds. Anytime. He is free. And there is nothing you can do about it. Until Jesus comes. So what is the solution? The solution is James 4, 7. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Peter also repeats the same thing. We, we have to stop being passive Christians. Passivity is a sin. Just like complacency is a sin. You cannot be passive when the enemy is around you. We have to be walk every day we wake up. We have to be aware the enemy is around us. And the Lord in his sovereignty allows him to do what he's good at. <laughs> and we cannot have this victim mentality that the devil is against you. He's always against you. So stop being passive and learn to resist the enemy. Like if you have thoughts if you have particular thoughts that are bombarding your mind, you resist them. Tell the Lord, I refuse those thoughts in Jesus' name. And you have to verbalize it. You cannot speak it in your heart. Because the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 1, and Jesus said, the sword and the sword came from his mouth. The mouth is your sword. Unless you speak it out, the Lord cannot use it against the enemy. Okay? So now let's say, passivity is a big problem. When people have gone through a lot of circumstances. Okay? We have to stop being passive. Because the Lord created every human being with a free will. And the enemy does not have the power to sit on you unless you are possessed. And there is no way a Christian can be possessed. A Christian can be harassed. Frustrated. But not possessed by the enemy. So we have a right to say no. If you find like, uh, I've seen many young people. They say, you know, I can't stop thinking about pornography. I say, look. Just resist it and change your diet. You resist it and change your diet. Your diet is, the Bible says, by the renewing of your mind, your mind will be transformed. So spend time in the Word. Spend time. Read chapters. Seven chapters per day. If you don't like reading, do audio Bible. The idea is you are trying to battle the enemy in your mind until he leaves you alone. Don't leave a vacuum. Don't let the enemy pump things in your mind that you say I cannot control. I always tell people it's not true you cannot control. It means your spirit man or your will is being oppressed by the enemy. And you have to say no. Okay? I have younger adults in my house. Because the oldest are 28. The youngest is 23. So we have battles. I tell dad, you know, why is it this happening? I say no. You have to go read your Bible. I cannot cancel you out of that situation. <laughs> But the word of God will transform your mind. To start having pure thoughts. Clean thoughts. Okay? Many years ago when I was a, a, a young believer. There's a man of God who used to ask this question. And to ask, and to ask you this question. Is it possible for 30 minutes to have a pure mind? Pure mind. Clean mind. Is it possible? Yes. If you can do for 30 minutes, you can do for a day. It's just the way you train your mind. And the Bible says in Philippians 4.8, okay, guarding your emotions is, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, 
whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things that are what? He's trying to say, we choose what we think about. The enemy cannot force you. And I always say, let me give you a very good practical, because I've seen when people have like discouraged. I always say, do you know why Tom and Jerry is a very good movie? Because there are times you need to laugh. Don't be very serious as a Christian. Laughter does a lot of good things to your mind. So if you, if you don't like what is happening around you, go look for comedy, good comedy. Something will make you laugh because what is happening, you are trying to break the cycle of the enemy to capture your mind. Joy is cultivated, just like peace is cultivated. And sometimes we can surround ourselves with things that will help our minds to be at peace. So one of the things we do in our family for many years, even now, I'm staying with us, a host, but I always put on soaking music every day. 24 hours per day. Christian music. Because I don't want my atmosphere to be polluted by the enemy. Another thing, I don't watch a lot of television. Can I tell you about politicians? They will always talk. They are paid to talk. So I don't have to pay attention to everything they are saying. And it's never a matter of life and death. It's for them, not for me. Because sometimes we worry about what politicians are saying and they, ca- they can't control anything. They can't control the universe. The Bible says they cannot count the hairs on your head like the father. So I made a, a decision in 2007. I don't watch a lot of television. I would rather watch, read on my phone what I want to read, but I don't want to watch a lot of television because if the, you, you start watching disasters after disasters, accidents, crime, you can't sleep. And I don't want to lose a sleep because someone is working on the television. Tell, showing me things I don't want. You know those people are working. Those people showing those things are working. I don't want to be part of their job. I have a choice. I can choose what to watch. I can choose what to focus on. It doesn't mean I'm ignoring. But there's a way I consume news without afflicting my mind with people's problems. Yeah, for those of us who have been missions and you have been in difficult countries where there are coups, uh, there's a lot of persecution, you can't focus on that in every day. You'll be depressed. You'll be taught. In fact, you can't even stay. So, normally, we have to choose to guard our emotions. Our emotions have gates. So, I'll give you the gates. Your heart is a gate. Your eyes are gates. Your ears are gates. Your feelings are a gate. Make sure you know what is entering your gates. You can't allow anything to enter your gate if you don't like it. You just say, no, I will not watch it. I will not listen to this. I will not feel this. Because what you are trying to preserve your inner man to be at peace. And in these last days, personally I believe the church will not survive if we don't learn to guard our peace. Guard our mind up. Because things are going to get worse. But the Lord expects the church to be the light. And to help people in difficult circumstances. So we cannot allow what is coming from outside influence us. We should be only being influenced by the Lord. But that's why guarding emotions is very important. Another thing I learned. Uh, if, you have, if you have anxiety and lack of peace, you can never hear God. It's impossible. Because God does not speak through an atmosphere of fear. He speaks where there is peace. So, what I normally tell people... If I had bad news, maybe someone comes and tells you, your mom is going to die or your sister is going to die. But when I hear it, I have a lot of peace. I know it's the Lord. But if I panic and I start feel like I can never live on this earth, that does not sound like the Lord. So the Lord is not afraid of bad news. But he communicates it in an atmosphere of peace and calmness. He'll come and tell you, don't fear. Don't fear. So that's how we have to learn to guard our emotions. Okay? Then the last one, the last key is trust God. Now this example is taken from the book of Job chapter 1 and 2 and the life of Paul. Now the book of Job chapter 1 and 2 and uh, Zechariah chapter 3, Revelation chapter 5 and 6, all of these are events 
that are taking in heaven. They are not taking place on earth. Job chapter 1. Satan appeared from nowhere as a son of God and accused Job to the father that this guy does not serve you from a pure heart. The Lord, then he told the father, if you take away the blessings, he will curse you. So it was a question of his integrity. So the Lord told him, okay, let's go and test him. The first test he passed, the Lord told him, no, okay, you have taken away his things, taken away his family, take away his health, he will curse you. So it was a court case. It was an accusation in heaven. So there are situations like Job, we don't know why the Lord allows it. Job never knew what happened, but Job trusted God through the process. And actually it say it took about nine months for all those things happen, and the Lord started restoring everything. It was intensive test. It was not a good test. I will not wish it for any other human being. But the truth is, Job passed the test. He, the, even he confesses in the book, though the Lord does this, I cannot deny him. I will still trust him. So there are times the Lord will allow us to go through tests in this life because he is determined to establish Christ-like character in our lives. The Lord is not interested in our comfort. He wants character. He wants to see Jesus in your life. So sometimes he will allow you to go through a test in a relationship. Um, Loss. Accidents. Because he's trying to achieve a greater thing than what you're going through. Another example is Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Bible talks about the thorn in the flesh. We really don't know what it was. Some people, theologians, cannot agree. Personally, I think it was his eyesight, because he said in Galatians he can't see very well. And he told Galatians, I wish you could give, take your eyes and give me your eyes. Paul was not, when, I don't know the picture you have for Paul. He's not like our television preachers. Number one, that's one thing I know. One thing the Bible says, Paul says he was a poor speaker. He was very good in writing, but poor in uh, he was good in writer but poor speaker. The other thing we know, he had issues in his life. Some people he said he was short, bald-headed. He was not this star that people talk about. He had a lot of weaknesses which he submitted to the Lord. But this problem he talks about that he asked the Lord three times to take it away and the Lord did not take away. The Lord answered him by telling him, I'll give you grace. So the key to that point is Whenever you have a situation that you don't understand, pray about it like Paul. Take, tell the Lord to take it away. Paul prayed about it. Don't just, don't just say, God has given me this problem. Because you have no idea what is happening. Pray, Paul prayed three times. And three times the Lord told him, no, I will not take it away. I have given this to bring humility in your life because of the amount of revelation you are walking in. So the I learned many years ago, don't just accept things because they're happening. We have a father we can go to. Ask the father, why is this happening? That's a question God can answer and sometimes he doesn't answer. If he doesn't answer, he's saying, trust me. You may not understand, but trust me. Because one of the things I feel that when you lose that communication and relationship with the Lord because of our circumstances, it is very easy to lose your faith. But Paul prayed about it. And the Lord told him, I'll give you grace. He never took it away. But Paul continued his ministry. In fact, he, say, he started telling the Lord, I boast in my weakness. I boast in the things I don't have in my life so that I can see the good things of the Lord. Okay? So it takes a lifetime to practice these four keys. I will encourage you to master them very well. Whatever emotional healing you are going through, this lesson when we teach, it's very key. We teach like, emotional healing is 12 lessons. Spiritual freedom is 20 something lessons. This lesson is the one that we use a lot to help someone. Because when someone comes for help, you have no idea the journey they are coming through. Some of the things they, they are going through is because of their choices. And we have to help them to repent. Sometimes it's someone who did things to them. We have to encourage them to learn to forgive. Sometimes it's demonic attacks. We have to teach them to resist the enemy. Okay? And the others, they have to trust God. Okay? So I want us to do a practical. Okay? Okay? My practical is a case study I did three weeks ago. Okay? 
there was this young lady, um, I know her very well, so I, I, when I was praying, I kept on getting this impression that I need to talk to her. So one day I had a dream, and in this dream I saw a friend of mine who is a Bible teacher. We were together in a car driving, and this lady was in the vehicle, but her mother was not there. And I saw my friend bringing counseling to her, and she started rejoicing like a baby. The lady is not a baby. <laughs> She's a grown-up. So I called her and told her, we need to talk. We need to talk about your fatherhood issues. Because in that dream, she was playing with this man like a father. So when we met, this was her story. Her story was when she was young, uh, she doesn't know, she can't remember the, how she was born, but she can remember her father coming back to her mother and telling her, I want to see my daughter. She was seven years old. The, the mother refused. You cannot see your father. So, as a child, she doesn't know how to argue. The mother had remarried. And this second husband was terrible. He had a lot of verbal abuse against the mother and against her. And she's still a child. So she went through university. When she reached high school, the mother had remarried the third time. Now, this one, she has known this father, the third father, for a long time. And whenever the mother travels, she cannot stay in the house. Because the father tried to molest her sexually. So, this, remember, it's coming from a dream. I didn't know these details. So, she's telling me this. So, I want to use that as a case study. If you are here, and you have issues of a father, okay, Maybe you grew up as an orphan. You don't know your dad. You don't even know, you don't know where he is. Or your father is absent. You know he's alive, but you don't know where he is. We are going to pray for you today. Okay? So normally when you are an orphan, if you know your father is an orphan, and he, uh, you are an orphan and your father passed away, there's a lesson when you teach on um, pain of loss. We do the example of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ was dying on the cross, he said, my Father, I surrender my spirit into your hands. That's how you release a loved one. You go to the Father and tell him, I loved my dad. Like for me, I, I grew up as an orphan, so I don't know my dad. But when I went through this, I told God, you know I miss my father. I never knew him. He died when I was eight years old, so I have no picture about him. But Lord, I wish I was like other people who, have, who should have had a dad. And I told the Father, but I thank you. And today I release the spirit of my father to you. That's when the healing starts. The reason the Lord cannot heal because we are holding on. God cannot take away when you are holding on something. So if you know you grew up as an orphan and you have never released either your mom or dad or your stepfather, someone you really loved or a brother, I'm going to call you in front to be prayed for. You have to release their spirit to the Lord. There is nothing you can do. There's one we did for another girl. If I come the other story. This, are, this was a family. The father had been shot dead. So this mother brought all her children. We did ministry to them. But the daughter was not coping well in the ministry time. So we, we arranged a separate meeting for her. And the father had been shot dead when she was three years, four years old. She was the last born. She couldn't let go. So we did a practical. I sat in a chair. And I told her, look at me. I want you to release your dad. She started saying, I can't. I can't. I can't. She broke down. I told her, no, look in me. Look at me. You have to. Immediately she released. It's like something left. And then we started praying blessing upon her life. Blessing upon her life. Her mother made sure she was not in the meeting. Because she told me, I want you to handle it. So, off, when you are an orphan, we carry a lot of baggage. And sometimes, when we let go, like for me when I let go, I was able to experience God as a father. Since 1990, when I got born again and God took me through this healing, I have never ever missed my earthly father. Never. In fact, when I have a crisis, I go to God. Because that's the only person. I never go to a human being. I have this relationship with the father that is very close. In the Trinity, I always tell people the first relationship I really experienced powerfully was with the Father. 
In 2005 it was Jesus. In 2015 it was the Holy Spirit. Because I could relate easily to God the Father than anyone else. Okay? If your father has been absent, we need to pray for you. We'll do a practical for you. And maybe you have been hurt by a spiritual father, a spiritual leader. Maybe you're in a church and you are not treated well. There's this case we handled recently. This lady leads, she has established three ministry hospitals. Actually, she came for this conference. And when she came for this ministry, she told me, you know, when you are saying those things, I remember the way my pastor treated me. I went to my pastor and told him, I want to establish this ministry. But instead of helping me, he told me very bad words. He abused me. So she broke down. He said, you are the first person to help me to realize I need to forgive my pastor. Because this was a person who was supposed to affirm my calling, my gift, but he neglected me. So she went through the process. Okay? And then the last one, you come back to the first story of the lady. This girl of seven years. So when we were doing this, these were three fathers. She had never seen a good father in her life. So I told her, I stood before her. Of course, we had uh, a colleague. You can't do that alone because she's a lady. So a lady and a friend of mine. I told her, I want you to look at me. I want you to forgive me as your father. That none of your three fathers really represented God the Father. I take responsibility and ask you for forgiveness today. She broke down. And then exactly the way I'd seen in the dream, she came and started crying on my shoulder. Okay. So, I believe emotional healing helps us to set people free. Because one of the things that we are finding out in the body of Christ, I was saying this because uh, I think I'm comfortable to say it, the church is very good in teaching doctrine, but we are not teaching people sound emotions. Yet the emotions, and this one, listen carefully, it's emotions that help us to relate to God. Please, believe me. There are crazy people in the Bible you read. <laughs> we have Samson with his problems, Jephthah the terrorist. We have these people. They knew God, but some of them never had time to learn these things. Like the thief on the cross. He never went to church. Was never baptized. But when the Lord, the Lord told him today, You'll be with me in paradise. That was it. And the reason why we cannot live a victorious life, we know what we believe is correct, but we can't experience it because we have never experienced the relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Another way also, you find people, if you know you struggle with your dad, or father figures in your life, it's very difficult to relate to God to the Father. Because in the Bible, a father provides love. Bible says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Love comes from a father. The father provides love, security, identity, and provision. You can never get from a mother. And that's what the father provides for his church. Now, if you struggle with Jesus... Normally, if you have grown up struggling with your siblings, your brothers and sisters, you will have issues with Jesus. Because Jesus is our elder brother. You, you, you have this relationship, you can't get very close to Jesus because you think he's like your brother. <laughs> okay? So normally I tell people, those such people need reconciliation, someone to help them to break barriers with their siblings. If you have issues with your mother, you will have issues with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit nurtures, cares, comforts like a mother. In classical Hebrew, a mother is like water that provides stability in a home. A father provides strength. A daughter builds bridges with two families. In Hebrew, that's what it means. And a brother is a brother's keeper to protect. So when you have those relationships, it's very difficult to work on other relationships. And that's what I wanted us to practice today. Okay? So, if you know you are an orphan, I want you to come in front. And if you know your father was absent, or your father was abusive, just come in front. We'll get people to pray with you, don't worry. I want to do a practical, okay? Just be courageous, come. We will help you. If you are an orphan, you stand here. If your father was an, orf an orphan, stand there. 
absentee or abusive father can stand here because we'll pray for you different. And if you had spiritual issues, you had issues with a spiritual leader that you went through a spiritual abuse in a church, I want you to stand there. You can never run away from the body of Christ. Okay. If you're in both groups, it's fine. So this is abuse or absentee offense. And if you know in a church you are mistreated, you, you could not just connect with the spiritual leader. Either they say some things you don't like and you say, I'm done. It is very difficult to function because the body is needed. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Just take courage. If you have issues with your dad, please come. Especially young men. We notice that when young people have, men have issues with their father, they tend to have the spirit of anger. And when you have issues with a mother, you have issues of fear and anxiety. Because a mother provides peace. But if you get angry, you find normally it's a father issue. One of the causes of anger is a fatherhood issue. Okay? Just come, okay? So these are orphans. Choose your case. Abusive father. Abusive father and spiritual leaders. Okay, so I need volunteers. If you know you are, a, you are a godly father, you have raised your children well. Black, you can come. Just come. I know Black because I know his family very well. And then if you know you are a pastor, or you are a spiritual leader and elder, you are a godly spiritual elder, just come. I want you to stand here. Uh, you'll stand here, busy father. And then uh, I think one of you can stand here for orphans. Okay. Uh, spiritual leader. Go this side. Okay. Okay. So we'll go step by step. I'll demonstrate how it happens. So here, the issue is the father is not in their space. And if he died or disappeared, there is nothing you can do. Unless God the father becomes a father. Where Jesus said, if you have seen me. You have seen my father. So Jesus, one of the six reasons Jesus came was to reveal the father. I know he came to seek and save the lost. I know he came to serve. I know to destroy the power of the darkness. But he said himself, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. Jesus is the exact representation of how a father should be. And he treated his disciples as a father. He protected them until the end. Okay? So you are going to look at them. Okay. We'll do this practical first. I want you to look at him. So you're going to repeat this prayer after me. Victor, just come. You can help our sister here. I want you to look in their eyes. And you're going to just hold their hands. You're a father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're going to repeat this prayer. Say, Just close your eyes. Say, Father, today, you know I miss my earthly father. Whom I never knew. I wish. I need a lady who can come. Just, I need a lady. Just come. Come and hold. You have to say it. It's important. You have to let go. You have to repeat these words. Okay. Okay. So just re- continue prayers. Say, Father, today I release the spirit. You have to say it. I release the spirit of my father. So just make sure she said Victor. Okay? She has to say it. Yeah. Once you release it, something will leave. The spirit of sorrow will be broken. Yes, you release the spirit to the father. The Bible says when someone dies, the spirit goes back to the father. Whether they are saved or not, we don't know. The Bible says they go back to the father. So that you can move on. Okay? She has to repeat it. She has to repeat it. Okay? If she doesn't, we will take some time after so that we help her. So our sister, our mom, just release. Say, I release the spirit of my dad. In the name of Jesus. And just bless her. Say, Father, just bless her. Bless her. I bless you. I affirm you as a daughter. Every purpose of God in your life will be established. Let her experience the Father's love. 
Let us experience the Father's love. Because the love of Father gives us identity. Okay, this one. Okay, this one you do different. So I want you to look at Black. You're going to hold his hands and look eye to eye. So Black, you just say, I want you to forgive me as a father. The things I said, the things I did, that hurt you and broke your heart. Today I ask you for forgiveness. You have said, I forgive you. And I release you. In the name of Jesus. Just pray a father's blessing upon her. Declare the purposes of God, the love of God to experience, okay? This next group, these are, just come close because of this cable, okay? So just come close, I'll show you, they'll demonstrate. I know Eric, I know brother, okay? You're going to represent spiritual leaders. So I want you to look at them. Choose whom you are to look at. And look in the eye. Okay? And just say, Eric, the fathers who say, the spiritual leader, they say, we come before you. We want to ask you for forgiveness. That we failed to treat you well as spiritual leaders. On behalf of your pastors and the spiritual leaders, we ask you for forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And we declare every part of your soul that was broken because of the words we said, because of things we did, we declare healing and restoration and peace. And we break every ungodly soul tie. Soul tie. Any ungodly soul tie. Words that, yes, that were attached to you because of what we say. We break it and we release you. In Jesus' name. So bless them. Just bless them as spiritual leaders. Okay. So Father, we just want to bless her. We pray that she'll experience the love of the Father. We pray for a revelation of the love of Jesus. We pray that Father should encounter you through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we declare that our sister will walk in the power of God's love. That she will know the identity, the provision and the protection only the Father in heaven can pro- provide in her life. So we thank you and we bless her, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. She has to say. Has she said it? Amen. Amen. Congratulations. You are free. You are free. Just bless her as a father. Yes. Amen. So that was our practical. Um, I will not do another one because of time. So there are two books I want to recommend. Uh, there is this book called None of These Diseases. This is a, a book written by two doctors. By They talk about how God sees physical healing, emotional healing, and spiritual healing from the Bible only. This book has helped us when we are training churches on health. Because sometimes churches think health is not spiritual. It will wake you up. Like when the Bible says in Leviticus, wash your, water over, wash your hands over running water. It's from the Bible. Leviticus says every day you have to take a shower. It's in the Bible. Those are no religious laws. Those who are laws of public sanitation to protect Israel, not to be like other nations. When the Lord says, I am the Lord who heals you, He says, if you will hear my voice, obey my commands, none of the diseases of Egyptians will come upon you. For I am the Lord that heals you. He was not talking about supernatural healing. He was talking about public health. He talks, he talks about... Uh, the God's people should not eat any food that has fat inside. They should put it on the altar and burn it to me because I like fat. God says clearly, I like fat. Because it smells nice. It's the Bible. What was he trying to prevent us? Heart diseases. And stroke. It's in the Bible. He talks about circumcision. Do you know why the Jewish people circumcise on the eighth day? That's the day that is the quickest to be healed. It's the Bible. 
It's a very powerful. I read it many years ago. My sister-in-law is a pediatrician. So I borrowed this book 30 years ago. I returned it. Now I bought my copy. <laughs> so I read it to help pastors to understand public health is very important. Medicine is part of his healing channels. One of them is diet. But public health is very important. Before you reach supernatural healing, praying for the sick, you need to teach people to have good health. Okay. Then the other book, this one I wrote it. This one is only emotional healing. This one we are writing about spiritual freedom. So make sure you take a picture. You'll, for the next three weeks, you'll get this book for free. So take the picture, log in and download it. On 30th, 11.30 p.m., it will stop. <laughs> so, I, I didn't know how to... I couldn't carry physical books, I wish, but because of weight, uh, we just said we'll give you the PDF printed. Uh, when you log in, it will give you an email because we want to follow up some issues. Uh, if you can write your email, your name, your email, your address, we are planning to have a training here in spring on emotional healing. Uh, the first one will be in Louisville, maybe one, another one in Maryland, Pennsylvania area. We'll do it for one and a half days. That is Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We'll do practical every lesson. All our lessons are practical. Okay? So, if you get, the, when you download, you'll get an email. I'll write to you to tell you the dates. If you write your email there, we'll still communicate. We really wanted to really uh, train as many people as possible. My wife is a nurse. And a midwife, so she does sometimes in clinics emotional healing when there's a situation that is needed. Yeah. So God bless you. Thank you very much. God bless you. Okay.